My name is Tyler. I get the privilege of serving here as our creative director, and I'm so excited to preach this message, this message, because here's what I know about this message. This message has the ability and the power because the Word of God is here to change every circumstance in your life. You have the ability to walk out these doors and turn off your screens and walk out Navarre differently than you walked in. God is here. You feel him, church? Make some noise if you're excited to be here in the house. We are right in the middle of our series called what? Inconvenient Grace. 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 I love this series. I love this title because, man, that's, you know, we, we know grace is. Grace is that all clear and there's really, like, grace is a really inconvenient thing, right? All the way around. Grace is inconvenient to give, right? Because, man, to give grace, you have to cancel the debt. To give grace, you have to say, you don't owe me anything. I'm just glad you're in the room. So grace, it's inconvenient to give away. And what I also know, grace is inconvenient, can be inconvenient to receive because it requires a humility to ask for it. It's impossible to, 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 it's impossible to give grace to somebody who hasn't asked for it. It gets awkward, it gets weird. They're like, what are you talking about? But grace is that thing, grace is that all clear. Grace is that thing, man, that says, hey, listen, I know that you've messed up, I know that you're not perfect, but you're in the room and you're here today. That's what grace is, that's what inconvenient grace is all about. And there's different kinds of grace, and we're going to land on one type of grace today, and I'm so excited to talk about this type of grace. But there's all these different kinds of grace. When you read through the scriptures, you study, there's different kinds of grace. You have the first type of grace, which is a saving grace. Can we just lose our mind for saving grace today? Because what saving grace is, hang on, hang on that thought for just a second, because you're about to go even, even crazier. This idea of saving grace, what it is, is, man, hey, my, I know that my grace, my faith has nothing to do with what I have done or ever will do because I can never do enough. This idea that grace is all about, what it's the focus, the, the conversation is not this many our fathers or I, I got to do enough and I got to be good enough because how good enough do you have to be really? But grace is all about putting that focus not about what I need to do, 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 but putting the focus on what's already been done, done, done. Because when Jesus was on the cross, he gives these words, and these words says, it is finished. He's not saying, like, it is finished, like, my part's finished, now you gotta do your part. My work's done, so now your work really begins. He's saying, it is finished. So church, that should cause you to lose your minds. I would stand to your feet, I would go nuts about that, because that type of grace is the reason why you spend eternity with Jesus when you have him as Savior. Because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago. So this is a great time to go nuts and get excited. That saving grace, we're just getting started, y'all gotta hold on. That saving grace. And then there's this other type of grace called a justifying grace. And this is the type of grace that allows us to walk boldly with confidence into the presence of God. This kind of grace, this justifying grace, is just as if I never sinned. So I don't have to walk into God's presence with guilt and shame and this cloud all over me. I walk boldly into his throne, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Not because of what I've done, because I've done a lot, and if I listed it out for you today, you'd be like, oh, get someone take the microphone from this guy. Not about what I've done, but that grace, that justifying grace, gives me the confidence and the boldness to stand, but don't look at me like you're so holy. 
Don't look at me. I can tell some stories. I know some of you. This ability to stand in the presence of God Almighty with his justifying grace. And then there's this third type of grace called, this is the teaching grace. If you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Titus. Uh, Really, let me preface that. I should say, go ahead and swipe over to the book of Titus. You know, people used to actually bring their Bibles to church. It's a crazy thought. I know people used to bring their giant leather-bound Bibles and flip them open and turn. Now it's all on version on your phone, which is incredible. If you've never downloaded version, you should do that. It's amazing. But go ahead and swipe over or turn, however you want to get there. And it's also going to be on the screen as well. This is Titus chapter 2, verse 12. He says, and we are instructed to turn from godless living. That's a sentence. And sinful pleasures. That's a sentence. We should live in this evil world. Anybody like questioning if this world is evil? Anybody got their doubts and they're like, what? No, it's not evil. And this was, this was written over 2,000 years ago. It's interesting how some things never, what, change. We should live in this, I'm coming, let's, let's go. We should live in this world with, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, with righteousness, and with devotion to God. Because here's this idea what grace is, this teaching grace. This teaching grace allows me in on the process of doing life with Jesus. Because a lot of times when, we, when you hear grace, a lot of times what you hear and what we think is like, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Grace is not this like permission to sin. Grace is not like this peace for your sin and for your poor choices and your bad decisions and like I can just go to bed at night because I've got grace. Grace is this process. And because here's how I know that. Because the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I walk with Jesus, the closer I walk with Jesus, the man, the, the less I want to hurt him. And the more I want to be like him because grace is not this thing that is this blanket for my sin. Grace is this idea that it draws me and it pulls me away from godless living. It pulls me into this lifestyle of bringing God's word into my decisions, bringing his wisdom, bringing his presence into the choices that I make in my life. That's this teaching grace. And then there's this one more type of grace, and this is where we're gonna spend our time today. And this fourth type of grace is a grace that endures it's an enduring grace. It's the type of grace that Paul talks about when he writes these letters to the Corinthian church. He writes these two letters, and in the second letter, he begins to, to talk about boasting, and, he, and, and, he, and he's got all this. If anyone could have boasted and wrote letters about how spiritual they are, it was Paul. But Paul doesn't do that. He actually said, man, I could boast about a lot of things. And he tells this really weird story about this really, this really close friend of his who ascended into heaven and was in the presence of God. And even Paul's like, I don't know if it was like his physical body went. I don't know if it was just his consciousness went and then he came back. I don't know. But he says, I know that he went because the things that he, that he experienced and he came back to tell me could have only come from spending time with Jesus. And he says, I could boast about knowing him Like, I could boast about this story. He says, man, but what does that gain? Instead, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. And this is where the scripture picks up. This is the second letter he writes to the Corinthian church called 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And it picks up at the end of verse 7. And verse is going to be on the screen. Check this out. He says, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. 
a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Verse 8, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times, three times, three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is perfected in weakness. I mean, look right here. Like, I love this, this terminology Paul uses because words mean things. Words are important, right? And so he uses this word, and he talks about what, like the, his relationship to the thorn. Now, he could have said, I was cursed with this thorn. He, should have said, he could have said that I was obligated with it. I was burdened with it. It was forced on me. But the word he uses to describe the thorn, he says, this thorn was given to me. And when you say that you're given something, you're actually implying that it's a gift, the problem, the problem is, 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 is God's gifts don't come with an exchange policy. Let me preach that for a second because, man, this is important. Because some of you have been given gifts from God, and because they don't look the way you want them to look, because they don't like perform the way you want them to perform, because they don't go on stages and have light shine on them, then I want to I give them back, right? I want to return them, but God doesn't have an exchange policy with these gifts, because here's the truth. Some of the greatest gifts given to the church are right here in the auditorium. They're right there in Navarre. That's the reason why you have some incredible people like Miss Georgie that served in our kids' environments for so long, and they had the ability to lead your kids to Jesus week in and week out. Because she was given this gift, and this gift was, I was able, she was able to explain the gospel in such a way that it not only caused kids to come forward and give their life to Jesus, but it caused grown men to cry. That's a gift. Now, if you put Miss Georgie on this stage and you put a microphone in her hand and go, hey, you're going to sing the next song, she's going to be like, no thanks. Not because she's a bad singer, but because that's not her gifting. And what if, what if she said, God, no, this doesn't get a lot of attention this gift that you've given me doesn't like perform well. So God, will you take it back? How many kids in this room? Because you were little when you gave your life to Jesus, but you're grown up now. You're in middle school. You're in high school because you sat in a room and Miss Georgie led you to Jesus. That's a gift. You see the problem? God's gifts don't come with exchange policies. So Paul says three times, three times, three times I tried to bring this and return this gift to God. And three times God told him, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. It's this enduring grace. He says, listen, I'm not going to just take this away from you. I know it's uncomfortable. I know you don't want to be here. But I'm, I'm not going to take it away, but I'm going to give you a gift instead. And, and here's what's happening. And this is what I love about this scripture. People don't, a lot of people don't preach this passage. They'll like talk about the stories before and after. Because here's what's happening. I love this story. Like I love when you read stories in scriptures and it just applies to where you are today. Like you read stories in the Old Testament and Samson's like taking a jawbone and beating like a thousand people to death. And I'm like, that's cool. I don't know when I'm going to do that next. Like I, I don't know what I'm going to get from that and courage and faithfulness to God. There's great things in there. But this is one of those things Paul's telling the story. And he's telling the story where like the circumstances and what God is leading Paul to experience in his life is the same thing that he, that he leads you to experience today. Because here's what I know that you know. When you're walking with Jesus, 
when you're walking closely with God, when you bring God into the decision-making, when you honor God with your choices, when you begin to serve and tithe and give, and you're like, man, God, I just want to be used by you. Here's what I know. There are no shortage of thorns. How come nobody got to their feet and shouted amen right there? Nobody was like, that's good preaching. Yeah, yes and amen. Nobody gets up here and like, yeah, there's no shortage of thorns in your life. And here's what I know. Some of you, this is the hardest season of your life. This is the season of thorns. And you just wish so bad that you could give it to God and God would take all of your problems away because after all, that's how it happens, right? Right? Like, wasn't I just supposed to be able to just give my problems to God and he just takes all of my problems away? Like, what do you do when you bring your problems to God and God hands them right back to you? You're like, God, this isn't how it's supposed to work. God, I'm supposed to, right? I'm supposed to just lay it at the feet of Jesus and walk away. Paul had problems and he laid them at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, the problem is Jesus gave him his problems right back. And you're like, that's not how it's supposed to work. You're like, I read the pillow at Cracker Barrel. I know how this is supposed to work. I'm supposed to lay my problems at Jesus and God's going, yeah, you read the pillow of Cracker Barrel, but have you read the Bible? I'm sorry if that was aggressive. I have a prejudice against Cracker Barrel. We'll talk about it later. I was joking. I love Cracker Barrel. But right, so many times we think, man, I'm supposed to just give all of my problems to God. And he's supposed to just take them all away. So what do I do in this moment? Right, what does Paul do in this moment? when he gives all his problems to God and God gives them right back. You read that scripture again and you see, man, three times you had a thorn in my flesh given to me. Three times I gave it to God to say, God, take it away. Three times it was a no and three times it wasn't just a no. Look right here. Three times it wasn't just a no because the no wasn't by itself. The no came with the promise. The no came with a promise. And that promise was, my grace is sufficient for you. So where there are no shortage of thorns, church, where you're walking in your life and it's a season of thorns, where there are no shortage of thorns in your life, there is no shortage of grace for you. Because he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Navar, his grace is sufficient for you. Whatever you're walking through, his grace will cover it. Order what you need, he's gonna pay the bill. His grace is sufficient for you in everything that you need. Why? Because that's an enduring grace. That's a grace that endures. That's a grace that like doesn't quit in the pit. That's the kind of grace that holds on to the promise of God. That's an enduring grace. And, and, and when you have this enduring grace, when you walk with Jesus and you have this enduring grace, here's what I know that you also know. You are able to endure things that normal people cannot you are able to walk through circumstances and situations because you have a grace that helps you carry through so you don't quit when it gets hard. And this is when it gets hard because some of you have gone through some of the hardest things in your life. Some of you have lost family members. You've lost kids, friends, businesses. You've walked through the hardest things life has thrown at you and you're still standing. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, I'm still standing. Navar, shout out, say, I'm still standing. Why? Because you have a grace that endures. It's not a grace for when times are good. It's not a grace when everything's up and to the right. It's a grace when all hell is breaking loose in your life and all you have is this promise from God where you feel like you've given everything to God, your problems, your, your thorns, your mountains, and he hands them right back to you. 
And it doesn't mean that you don't get low and everything's perfect. It just means that you stay low. It doesn't mean that like, man, I never get depressed. I never get discouraged. I never get down. It just means that I stay close to Jesus. Because why? Because he has a grace that is sufficient for me. And everything that I need, he has. And Hebrews talks about this. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. It says, therefore, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Man, when you and I get in trouble, and it's so often the case, it's not this moment of where we're all by ourselves. And that's so often where the enemy wants you to feel. As if you are all by yourself, God has all but given up on you. God will often lead us through the hardest of circumstances. And so often we feel like he's just giving our problems back. But it's not just a no. It's this promise of his grace. And this promise that his grace is sufficient for you. Because we go through these hardest of circumstances with the grace that endures. There's a story in the Old Testament. I don't got time to preach this, so just hang on. It's Zerubbabel, and this guy named Zerubbabel was this Jewish Babylonian who was exiled to Babylon, and he's coming back to Jerusalem. And a prophet appears to Zerubbabel and says, hey, you're to rebuild the temple, so he gets to work. And he starts going through all the proper channels, and he's getting everything in line, and he's getting the paperwork in order, all the red tape, and he's going to rebuild the temple in Jesus' name. And then he starts building, and then all of a sudden, everything comes to a dead stop. And for 10 years, and this happens right around 525 BC, everything comes to a dead stop. And he's angry and he's frustrated because this, every, all, the, all the motion was forward, and now what do I do? Because the same king that gave him all the authority to get it done dies, and everything comes to a halt. For over 10 years, nothing gets done. And Zerubbabel finds himself in the space of, of where I currently am and the space of where God told me that I'm going to be. And don't you think that he wanted to quit in this space? Don't you think that in that space, Zerubbabel wants to tap out and say, God, this isn't for me, and God, this was not as, this was not as easy as I thought it was going to be? And I keep bringing it. It's been 10 years and nothing has changed. Nothing has happened until this one day. And this other prophet comes into Zerubbabel's life. This prophet's name was Zechariah. And he speaks again to Zerubbabel. And he says these four words that change everything. Really six words, but four words to get it, get it going. Do you know what those four words were? You'll never guess. In a million years. In a million years, you'll never guess what those words were. Thus says the Lord. The prophet leans in to Zerubbabel in the middle of that space and that frustration and says, hey, God is speaking. And the two words he utters that gets everything in motion in an instant, he says, begin again. He says, begin again. 
he leans in to, to Zerubbabel and says, man, hey, God is speaking again in this moment, and I know that you've all but given up. I know that you've lost hope. I know that you've lost, like, drive to get this done, and you've lost belief. He says, but God is speaking and telling you to begin again because God gives these words, and the words that God gives, I said earlier that there's no exchange policy with the gifts of God. That's true. But what I didn't tell you was they also, it's like a BOGO. Because when you get these words from God, it's not just words, you also get this promise. And this promise is my grace is sufficient for you. That means sufficient. That means it will, it will carry you through. It means that you may not be able to see the end in sight, but God not only sees it, but he has it covered with an enduring grace. With the grace that will help you carry on and see again. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. It covers the tab, whatever you need. You don't got to worry about it. God's got it. So if you're here today and you've given up and you've all but given up or you've surrendered all your problems to God and you feel like he's just handing them back to you, he's handing them back with this promise that you have what it takes, that you will see this through. You just need to hang on to this grace that endures because here's what I know. The issue is never if God is going to do what he says he's going to do. That's never the issue. The issue is never, God, you said this and it hasn't happened. The word it hasn't happened yet. Because the issue is never if God is going to do what he said he's going to do. The issue is always, will I hang on long enough to see it? That's the problem. Because so often we bump and we bail in this space of I have not seen it yet. And I'm over it and I'm ready to tap out, and I'm ready to quit, and God's leaning in and saying, man, this is an enduring grace. That's where enduring grace becomes all that you need to see what God said would happen come to life in your life. It's a grace that endures. It's why some of you have been rejected from colleges like four times, and you just keep applying. Or it's why some of you have had three miscarriages, and you just keep trying, because you have this thing that most people don't have this thing that would cause most marriages to implode and bounce. It's this enduring grace. It's this grace to hang on. It's a grace that endures, and we've all been there. And we've stood in this space of, man, this is where I am, and this is where, God, this is where you said would happen. And I'm in this space between, and, and I just feel like it's not, it hasn't happened yet because some of you are so, you're so focused on that, that thorn. You're so focused on this mountain. You're so focused on this idea of what it should be and could be and what it was supposed to be. And I'm in this space. I need to teach this. Let me get three guys on stage. Can I get three guys on stage? Just three. Okay. One, two, three. Let's make some noise for these guys this morning. I need, I need to teach this. I can't. I need to teach this. What's up, man? How are you, sir? Hello, sir. Here, come stand right here, man. Come stand right here, and I want you to face that direction right here. All right? Jamie, if you'll stand right here and face that direction, because here, and Steve, if you'll just kind of hang out here for a second. Make yourself busy. I'm just kidding. It's right here in this moment, man. 
where we are so focused on what, on what we think should happen. We're so focused on this is how my life should be. This is how things, this is if in a perfect world, if she were to text me back, if she were to respond to me, like if he were to like, man, actually like be the man that he's supposed to be and lead the house and I just can't, like all that stuff, all that notion and that motion of where I feel like my life should be in a perfect world and I'm here. It's there, but I'm here. And so there's this tension that you live in, this space between And this is where it is so easy to bounce, to bail, to ghost, to just hop and leave. Because after all, if it were going to happen, it would have happened by now. If I was supposed to have that family and be, and be that, and have that, those kids, it would have happened by now. If I was supposed to meet him, it would have happened by now. If I was supposed to start that company, it would have happened by now, but it hasn't. And so I'm still stuck in this notion. And as I was thinking through this and preaching through this and praying through this, man, God revealed there's a second space. You got this first space of where this frustration and where I just want to bounce and quit. But there's a second space. Steve, come back here. Come back here. Stand right here. Look right there. There's a second space. And here's where the second space is. The second space is where I am, but it's where I used to be. Because this is where, this is where, man, I may not be where I want to be. I may not be where I want to be, but you know what? I'm not where I used to be. I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm not making the same choices I used to make. And while things have not all come together in a nice, pretty bow, I'm still stuck in this tension, in this space between. There's a second space, but it's this space that your confidence in God grows. Here's why. Because the same God, the same God that brought you from where you used to be to where you are is surely going to bring you to where you're going. If you just don't quit... If you hang on. Somebody say, I'm hanging on. Shout. Somebody shout, I'm hanging on today. Navar, I want to hear you say, I'm, sh- I'm hanging on today. Listen, 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 listen. This is where it's never an issue of if God is going to do what he says He's going to do. You guys have a seat. The issue is and always will be, will you hang on long enough to see it? Will you endure? Because you have a grace that does. You have a grace that is sufficient for you. And I don't know your story. And I've been reading your mail. Nobody sent me a text before this saying, hey, he's going to be here. You should say, no one said that. Literally. But God sees you. And he knows exactly where you're hanging today because this is the space, man. Every head bowed right now, every eye closed. I said earlier at the beginning of the message, I said, you cannot give grace to somebody who hasn't asked for it. And I I believe that. And there's probably people that be like, I don't agree with that. That's okay. I think for grace to take effect, you have to ask for it. That's just me. Because you have to recognize you need it. Because if you don't recognize your need for it, is it really effective in your life? I don't know. So maybe you're here and you're like, I, I've never even asked for that grace before. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now to respond. Head bowed, every eye closed, Navarre, we're all looking down right now. No one's looking around. But I just feel led right now in this moment to pray over you. So if that's you, will you just put your hand up right now? 
hands all over the room going up. You're like, I just need that grace today. I see those hands. I see every single one of those hands. God sees them too. In the balcony, we see those hands. God sees you. Let me pray over you right now. Jesus, God, thank you for a grace that endures. Thank you for a grace that doesn't run out on me. When I come short and I want to bounce out because it's hard and it's difficult. And in a season where there's no shortage of thorns, Thank you for your word that is true, that there's no shortage of grace. So I pray that enduring grace right now over every hand that's been up in the room, for everyone that maybe was not ready to put their hand up, but they're like, I need that. God sees your heart. God sees you. And I pray that grace over you right now. I pray that you walk out differently than you came in, steadfast, ready to hang on. I feel that right now too. If you're here and... In, in, in you bounced like you, you you quit it got too hard and you were like hit the eject button and that's your story I just feel led to say that I'm gonna pray over you right now too you were in this space of waiting and God was just telling you look back I've done it before I'll do it again can I tell you that God has a word the word of the Lord has come to your house today and that word is begin again that word is for you is begin again. That you don't have to walk with shame and guilt of like I quit, I didn't hang in there. But the word of the Lord for you is begin again. Will you receive that today? Like really receive that into your heart today. That God is telling you to begin again. He's telling you it's not over. He's telling you that everything looks like it's, it's off and, and, and nothing's working and happening the way you think it should but you have a word from God and you also have a promise that his grace is sufficient for you. So just hang on. Will you tap back in today? It's not over. It's not too late. God, you see every hand, you see every heart. And will you just give them the grace to endure right now and to hang on to your promise, to hang on to the gifts that you've given, which is, are these circumstances? with every head still bowed, every eye still closed right now. You're like enduring grace and justifying grace and teaching grace and grace, grace, grace. And you're like, but I don't even have that saving grace. Someone just invited me to come to church and here I am. And I don't know how, you know, but I'm here. And God knows you're here. God sees you're here. And God is drawing your heart right now to him. And so in this moment, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And in just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to do that. But before you know that you need grace, you need to know why you need grace. And it's really kind of simple. You see, you and I have all messed up. We've made mistakes. We've lied. We've cheated. We've stolen. We've looked at other people and, and wanted the stuff they had, or we wanted those people for ourselves. All that sin. And if, you've, and if you're breathing and you hear the sound of my voice, congratulations, that's you. Welcome to the club, welcome to the team. That's, all, that's us, that's everyone in the room. We've all sinned, we've all made mistakes, we've all messed up, and a lot of times we've messed up on purpose. 
the scripture's clear. It says that all have sinned. Every single one has messed up and we've sinned and we've fallen short of that glory of God. We've come short of the standard. We've not done enough because the truth is we could never do enough. And not only does he say that, hey, we've all sinned, He says that the punishment of that sin, the payment of that sin, the atonement of that sin, the caboose of that sin is death. And when it's translated from the original text, the word that they use is not just a death like you and I think about death, like we're all gonna die, we're all gonna take our last breath. It actually is a bigger death, a longer death, an eternal death. And it translates as this eternal separation from good, from God. And that's the death that awaits us. So just to catch you back up, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, the payment of that sin is death. And that would be a really awful place to end the story. Thanks for coming today. But that's not where your story ends. In fact, God loved you so much and he knows everything about you. He knows everything you've ever done, thought, said. He knows it all. And and he loved you so much he says not only is the, is the penalty of that sin death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That sentence is heavy. The first half of that sentence has the lock. The second half of that sentence has the keys. He says the payment of that sin, the punishment of that sin is death, but the, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's your choice. And all you have to do, all you have to do, God does not force it on you. The church does not force it on you. He just knocks. The question is, will you answer the door today? You hear him knocking on the door of your heart. He's there. Open the door. And to do that, all you have to do is just accept him into your life, into your heart. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer that does that. But just know it's not the prayer that saves you. It's not, the, it's not me that saves you. It's not you're not praying to me or through me but I'm gonna lead you in this prayer. And what I'm gonna ask is that everyone in the room prays it out loud to support those that are about to pray it for the very first time here in Pensacola, in Navarre, watching all over the world. So if that's you, if he's knocking on the door to your heart, answer the door today. Say, dear Jesus, say, dear Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've made mistakes on purpose and I need you. And I believe that you, Jesus, are who you said you are, did what you said you did, and I believe that I need you right now. I confess that you, Jesus, are Lord and Savior of my life. Come into my life. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody looking right up here. Everybody looking right up here. Navarre, I want you looking right up here. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I'm going to ask that you raise your hands. And I promise you, we're not going to do it to embarrass you. We're going to do that because we, we, we want to put gifts in your hands, resources in your hands that are gonna help you on your journey of following Jesus. And then number two, we just wanna celebrate that decision because it's the best decision you're ever gonna make in your life and we just get excited when people do that. Welcome to Momentum. 
So if that's you, I'm gonna ask that you have one second of courage. We had two people give their life to Jesus in the first gathering. And if that's you today, if that's you today, you have a room full of people that wanna help you. So go ahead and I count to three, have one second of courage and put your hand up just long enough for our team to put a bag in your hands and that's it. So when I count to three, have one second of courage. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time, say one, two, three. If that's you, we see those hands up. We see those hands up. Keep those hands up. Let our host team find you guys. Navar, Navar, we see those hands. Keep them up. Let our host team find you today. Get them all, guys. Awesome. So good. Listen, if that was you, listen, I'm talking to you now. If you just gave your life to Jesus, that decision is the best decision you'll ever make in your whole life. Your whole life. Congratulations, you peaked. This is it. Best decision of your life. Hang around. We still need you, you know, we still want you around. But that's the best decision you'll ever make. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family and go outside in the lobby. Every campus on your way out, we've got incredible people that they're not gonna try to get anything from you. They really just wanna hear your story and, 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 and learn your name, and that's it. So on the way out, if you'll stop and let them know that you gave your life to Jesus. If you're watching online, man, I love this. People watch online from all over the world. Do you know that? All over the world, people are tuning into what God is doing right here on the Gulf Coast, and you're a part of it. Every time you tithe, every time you give, you're a part of the good news, the gospel of Jesus going all over the world. And if you're watching today and you gave your life to Jesus, let us know in the comments because we see you and we want to send a bag to you. And we want to send resources to you. We'll mail them to you. We'll send you a direct message. You can let us know your address and we'll keep it super easy, simple. And we just want to put resources in your hands that are going to help you on your journey of following Jesus. And we're able to do stuff like that church because you're all in here because you're faithful to the tithe, the offering, and all God is doing right here at Momentum Church. 